to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please turn with me, we pick up in 3 John, the epistle of John, chapter 1. There's only one chapter, and we're picking up in verse 5. The title of our message here this morning is A Giving Heart, A Giving Heart. I just recently read how a mother wanted to teach her daughter about giving. So just before church, she gave her daughter a dollar and she gave her a little quarter and she told her, she says, okay, honey, when the plate goes around, I I want you to decide which one you're going to put into the plate and then you get to keep the other one. So you decide if you want to put in the quarter or the dollar. So after the service, uh, the mother asks the little girl, she says, well, which one did you put into the, the offering? Which one did you put in? She says, well, I was going to give the dollar. She says, but when the man at the pulpit said that God loves a cheerful giver, she says, I knew I'd be more cheerful if I kept the dollar. <laughs> As we just read, God loves a cheerful giver. As we think of Christmas, we obviously, we, it's a great time to remember all that Jesus did for us, going to the cross and coming to the earth, God becoming a man. Isn't that just, does that just blow your mind that God became a man, Emmanuel, God with us. And he came to this earth, he lived a sinless life and he went to the cross for us. And that's what we will remember in these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about it. But also, Christmas is a time for giving. It's a, it's a time when, you know, we realize that God gave his best, and it's a time that we give gifts, and we, we give to others. We give of our time. We give of our service. We, it's a time of giving, and as we read in our scripture reading, God loves a cheerful giver, and that word cheerful literally, literally means hilarious. And I always say, and I think about the fact that if we can't give in a hilarious way, then God really doesn't want us to give. We should be able to give in a hilarious way. In other words, a, such a cheerful way that we, we love to give. And, and I believe giving truly is a matter of the heart. God tests, tests our heart if, we, if we're to be takers or givers and, and we're to be giving. And I believe the more we spend time with the Lord, the more time we we spend in his presence, we end up being giving people because we have a very giving God, don't we? God is so creative, isn't he? We, we serve a creative God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament show his handiwork. We look around and we realize how creative God is. And, and it's so awesome because we're created in his image and uh, he's given us creativity and we're, we're blessed with these things. But also, He's a very giving God. And the more time we spend with him again, the more we should be like him. So with that being said, let's go ahead and stand. And I'm going to go ahead and read just these few verses. So 3 John, verse 5. The Apostle John writes, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive or support such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Lord, again, we pray over these verses. We know, Lord, this is 
a word, your word, that's inspired by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would take these four verses, Lord, and that you would speak to all of us that are here. As we look at this man, Gaius, and his generosity and all that he was, Lord, I pray that we could glean off of this man, that you would teach us in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you can be seated. As we looked at last week, it's a great note to take. If you didn't write it last week, you may want to write the fact that uh, this epistle, this letter, 3 John, in the original language is the shortest uh, letter in the New Testament, the shortest letter in the book, and the, the Bible, actually. And so it's a great note to take. But it's small, but it, it's powerful. And in this little letter, uh, John the Apostle, he... Uh, talks about the character of three different men. And we looked at this man, Gaius, and we just read about him again. We looked at last week that that this man, Gaius, uh, was a man of truth. He was a man that walked in truth. He was a man that was discerning. But this week, we're going to look at the fact that this man was also very giving. And with that being said, I want to focus back on uh, verse 5. Beloved, You do faithful whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. When he's saying you do faithful, you're a faithful person when it comes to uh, traveling ministers. Uh, You're being generous. And many believe that this man Gaius, and that's who we're talking about again, that he was a, a businessman, a wealthy businessman. And he would take care of the traveling ministers. They would travel from city to city and he would house them. He would allow his house to be used for Bible studies. He would, uh, you know, feed them and even pay their their traveling expenses to go to the next city and probably give them uh, monies to take care of uh, these ministers that, that were preaching the gospel and teaching the word. And so basically what John is saying, keep up the good work. You're doing well. You're called to do this. You're, you're called to be a businessman, if, if that's the case. But you're doing well, and be, you're, you're faithful at what you're doing. And basically, again, he's saying, keep it up. For all of us that are here, as we look at this, what are we called to do? And if this letter was written to us, it, would it be saying to you, keep up the good work? Keep it up. You're, you're called to, to uh, minister in the children's ministry. Keep up the good work. You're, you're doing so well. You're being faithful to what you've called to do. Just keep up the good work. Because I believe what can happen in ministry, we could, you know, people, you hear people talk about getting burnt out or getting, you know, um, you know running out of juice maybe or whatever. But I look at it, the more that I really look to him and I'm empowered by his spirit, I can never run out of energy because it's not, my, it's not me. It's not my resources. It's, it's him that's working in me. For it's God who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He, he's working in us. And, and sometimes we can get tired in the work, but we should never get tired of the work. Amen? In other words, we can get, you know, when we're doing a lot, we're, you know, we have a full-time schedule, plus we're ministering full-time, we're doing all this stuff. Sometimes we can get a little tired in the work because, you know, we're, we're human, 
But we shouldn't get tired of the work and we should be refreshed by the Lord. And whenever it seems like we're getting tired of the work that God's called us to do, we should spend more time pressing into him. See, I believe the mistake is, is people want to run away from like, for example, ministry because, oh, I'm just so wiped out. I got no time. But actually we should run into what God has for us and become refreshed by him that the Lord would say to us, keep up the good work. You're doing faithful. I want to put up on the screen the same verse, these same two verses, but I want to put it in another translation. So it reads a little easier. I'll go ahead and read it. It says, again, 3 John 1, 5, it says, Dear friend, you are doing a good work for God when you take care of the traveling teachers who are passing through even though they are strangers to you, so some of them you don't even know and you're taking care of them. It says, they have told the church here of your friendship and your, love, your loving deeds. And then he goes on, you do well to send them on their way in a manner that pleases God. So again, if you read it here, it's just saying, you're doing such a good job. You're, you're, you're taking care of traveling ministers and keep up the good work. Continue to do what you're called to do. And I just want to use that for all of us that are here. Just to remind us, just... Keep up the good work. Keep doing what God's called you to do. Don't rely on your own power. Don't rely on your own strength. Rely on the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Keep drawing into him and keep drawing, you know, the power of his spirit to do whatever God's called you to do that hopefully all of us, when we stand in God's presence, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. But don't miss the point here where Gaius is a giver. He's a giving man. He's giving and helping out. And I believe that's the heart of God for us to be those that are they're giving. I, I have to say, when giving to the ministry here, it's, it's a joyous thing. I, I've never wrote a check or I've never, you know, wrote a check to tithe to the church saying, oh, no, we, we got to tithe to the church. Oh, I don't want to do this. And I, I've never done that before. Because I know this is a work of the Lord. I know that God's word is going out. I know that the gospel goes forth. I know that lives are being changed. I know that, that you know, there's many outreaches that we do with the plays and with labor of love and with Harvestival. And, and there's people that are walking with the Lord that never knew Jesus Christ before. And I know it's legitimate. It's a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So I never, you know, in, in a grudgingly way go, oh, no. Or I've never had, you know, where, when the, the tithe box goes around, I never like hold on to it like, I don't want to give this. My wife's never had to pull it out of my hand. Like, okay, honey, come on, let's, let's give this, you know. That's never happened before. It's just, it's, it's like, it's a joyful thing. And I can say it's, you know, it brings joy. And really giving is a part of our worship. It's a part of our worship. We'll look at a verse uh, in a little while with that. But it, it's just part of the worship that we do. Is it, we, we give back to the Lord. We give back to, you know, to the God that, that, is, that has given us everything. We're just stewards of, of what we have. It's not even, do you know it's not even yours? And the Bible talks about that, that everything in the world, it's God's. It's, it's him that owns everything. It's not ours. It's, it's all his. And if we look at that, I think it makes it so much easier to realize, I, I'm just a steward. God, this is all yours, whatever you've given me, little, a lot, whatever it is. But what do you want me to do with this? And how do you want me to invest in your kingdom? And, and it's a good heart to have. And it's, it's good to have a giving heart instead of a stingy heart. It's better to be a giver than a taker. Sometimes I joke and I say, well, I've got the gift of receiving. But that's, that's, that's not really how it's supposed to be. Years back when my, my wife was serving at Calvary Costa Mesa, 
She was on the switchboard for many years. How many years were you on the switch? 20 years on the switchboard at Calvary Costa Mesa, answering the phones. Calvary Chapel, can you hold Calvary Chapel? Can you hold Calvary Chapel? I used to love walking in there. She would have a conversation with me and about 10 other people at the same time. She's like, sometimes I didn't know if she was talking to me or someone else. She's like, said, you talking to me? She said, no, I'm talking to the person over here. And she just, just that talent that she has to do that. But years ago, she, she talked to uh, someone there in, in Scotland where she's from, and she found out that her, her father was ill and not doing well at all. And and so she wanted to go visit her dad, but she didn't have any finances to do that. So she wasn't able to fly back to Scotland. And, and she was, it just was breaking her heart. And she was just praying. And she didn't tell anybody. And within that week, somebody walked in the, the front office where she was. And, and uh, he said, you know, he, he was there with his, his wife. And he said, you know, we have frequent flyer miles. And they're going to expire after a while. And we don't really need them. And God's kind of put us on your heart. We know you're from the UK. Could you use these, these miles? And, and she just, you know, started crying. She's like, wow, because she knew it was God. And the miles that they had were just a, enough for her to go, you know, have a round trip, go to Scotland and come back. And she knew it was just a, just a God thing. But, but when that was happening and when the Lord was doing that, God spoke to her heart with that and says, you keep taking care of my business and I'll take care of your business. And that's scriptural. You know, we, when we take care of God's business, God takes care of our business. When we, when we do the things of the Lord, God will take care of our business. When we truly put him first and we just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God takes care of everything else. And there'll be that temptation, I believe, to, to you know, not put God first. But we can get, in, you know, busy and so busy that we don't have the time that we need to have to spend the time with the Lord and to do what God's called us to do because we're so busy. Someone once said, you know, busy spells out B-U-S-Y, right? Being under Satan's yoke. B-U-S-Y. Being under Satan's yoke. And that, that can happen in this world. You can become just so busy that you're, you're under the, the, the yoke of Satan instead of under the yoke of God. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm gentle. I'm lowly of heart. You shall find rest for your soul. Come unto me, all you who labor, heavy laden. And that might be you today. When we talk about giving, God wants to give you rest. God wants to give you spiritual rest. He wants you to, to really rest in him and trust in him that he'll take care of everything. Paul the Apostle told us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he said, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Who's supplying for your needs? Who's supplying for your spiritual needs? Who's supplying for your emotional needs? Who's supplying for your financial needs? Who's supplying for you? Well, Paul said God wants to do it. He wants to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know how rich God is? He owns everything. We have a very rich God. And so often we, in our mind, we say, well, if only this person shows up for me and only that thing happens and only I get this or if I can just get that and, and we're just always hoping on this or that person or this, this something to, to come through when actual, in, in actuality, all we need to do is just you know, pray that God comes through. And he will. I don't know if you heard the story about L.J. Kraft, 
he was the, was the CEO of the Kraft Cheese Company, the Kraft Cheese Corporation. We're told that he gave approximately 25% of his enormous income to the Christian cause, to the work of the Lord. 25% he gave of his millions that he had. And this is what he said, quote, whoops. He said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. That's craft. The only investment I have ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I have given to the Lord. And I find that true in my life. I remember about two years ago, our car broke down, the transmission went out on our vehicle. And so we were, you know, looking at how much that's going to be. And it was quite a bit. And we're trying to weigh it out. You know, do we want to invest that kind of money in a vehicle that's not, you know, wasn't worth really investing that kind of money in? So we're just kind of pondering that and figuring out what we're going to do. And, and then all that kind of stuff was going on. And during that, we received a phone call from somebody. And they said, uh, a friend of mine called me up and says, Joe, you know, I'm going to buy a brand new vehicle. I've got a, a, a 2012 SUV. He says, you know, could I donate that to the church? And I said, did you know that our transmission just went out? He goes, no, I didn't even know that. And I knew it was God. We can't outgive the Lord. And I, I hope we realize that. We can't outgive God. In Malachi, and I want to point this out, and some people take this, these verses in a negative way. I've always taken them in a positive way. I've never looked at Malachi chapter 3 in a negative way, you know, as a rebuke to me. I've always looked at it in a positive way, and I'm going to show you why. In Malachi 3, 7, picking up in verse B here, the, the, in the middle of the, the verse, it says, return to me. This is the Lord. And he says, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? So they're, they're thinking, we don't need to return to you. Yeah, we're, you know, we're believers. We don't, why are you saying return to me? And then God says, will a man rob God? And then it says, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. He says, you are cursed with the cursed, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So speaking to the children, the, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, telling them that you've robbed me, you've, you haven't you know, brought in your tithes like you're supposed to, your offerings. But listen to this. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So bring all, a tithe is simply 10%. So bring 10% into the storehouse, to the house of the, of the Lord. You should give to the house of the Lord. 10% doesn't even belong to you, into the house of the Lord, that there may be food in my house. So they weren't giving their, their, their tithes so there wasn't food in their house. They had to, they didn't, the ministers that were there, they weren't able to, to supply for them. They weren't able to take care of the ministers. So there wasn't enough food in the house. And God's saying, you're robbing, you know, my house. Why are you doing that? And then he says, and this is the part that I highlighted in red. And the reason why I highlighted in red, because this is the good, we just read the negative end of it, but I always look at the positive end of this. It says, and try me now in this. And you know, this is the only place in scripture where God says, you know, try me, test me. And he's talking about tithes and offering. And he's saying, test me in this. You try me in this. In other words, you try and see if this isn't going to bless you, if this isn't going to work out for you. So he says, and try me in this. Listen, says the Lord of hosts, God speaking, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. 
So some people look at this whole thing and say, oh, you know, I can't believe God wants me to give 10% and all this, and I can't. And then they look at it in a negative way, and that doesn't count in the New, you know, doesn't, they don't talk about tithing in the New Testament. That's an Old Testament thing, and they get all upset and rally. I look at this and say, praise God, it says just give 10%. I, you know, I really honestly look at this and say, I get to keep 90%? I get to have 90% of it? It's like, really, Lord? And then when I keep 90% and I just, you know, tie the 10% to the church, to, the, to your house, and then you're saying that I, I can't even contain the blessings that you're going to do. I, I can't even contain what, what you're going to pour out and what you're going to take care of if I do this. And I always look at it a positive way. And then you do have people that say, well, you know, tithe. I, as a matter of fact, I, I just received a letter just the other day and someone's, you know, told me, oh, I can't believe you believe in tithing and it's not talked about in the New Testament and this, and they said, please don't read my letter out loud. So I won't read the letter out loud, so. (laughs) But to that I say, it does talk about it in the New Testament. Jesus himself says, woe to you Pharisees. It says, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and you pass by justice and the love of God. So, so, Jesus, get the picture, he's rebuking the Pharisees and he says, you guys tithe mints. In other words, you, you give a tenth of everything and then so much so that even your mints, your little herbs, if you, if you, you know, your, your farms and you get herbs and stuff, you take a tenth and make sure you make, you, you're so meticulous that you're tithing, even with your, the mints and the, the mint and all your herbs. But he says, but you forgot about justice and love. But then he goes on to say, listen, he says, these you ought to have done. In other words, you, you should be tithing, he's saying. You, you should do that. And you can't miss that. He says, these you ought to have done. You, you should take care of your tithe, but without leaving the others undone. You should be tithing, but you should also be passing, you should be loving and being just and being good and all these other things. Years ago when I sold my house in Michigan, there was quite a bit of equity. There was a pretty good profit on the house. When I was in the corporate world, I did you know, pretty good financially and all. And when I sold it, I wanted to give a, a, a tenth to the Lord. Obviously, it was an increase, so I wanted to you know, give back 10 back to the church. We were at Calvary Costa Mesa at the time, and, and we were overseeing the newly married couples fellowship. And so I thought, well, you know, it'd be nice if I could just keep this and maybe put in a separate bank account and then it would still be the church's, but I'll use it. And then for the newly married couples fellowship, I could give to that and I'll have my own account. And, then, and basically I wanted to control it. But I thought it's for ministry. This makes sense, God. I mean, you, we could, let's make a deal here. You know, I'll just, I'll make, I won't use it for nothing else. This is yours. But I wanted to control it. And I think that's what our, our, our heart can do sometimes. Because it's a big sum. When it was $100 or $10 or $50 or $80 or $200, that's nothing. But when we're talking thousands of dollars, it's like you're all of a sudden you become, this is mine, you know? And I was almost like, I don't know if I want to just do that. And, you know, how can I trust those that I give it to? And all this stuff can go on your heart. And I remember the Lord spoke to my heart very clearly and says, do you want to increase your, your ministry or do you want me to increase your ministry? Pastor Chuck used to always say, he says, give where you go, basically. He says, if you go eat dinner at a restaurant, you don't go down the street to another restaurant and pay, the, you know, pay them. You, you pay where you eat. You know, you don't, it doesn't make sense that you go somewhere else. And, and so that's a, a good rule, as it says, to, to, to bring all the money into my storehouse. So a good rule. just want to point out in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul the Apostle, writing to the church of Corinth, he says, now concerning the collection for the saints, 
He says, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. What does he say to do? On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there will be no collection when I come. So Paul's saying, you know what? I don't want you to have some big collection when I come. Just at the first day of the week on Sundays, take up an offering and just, you know, put aside. Did you notice as you would prosper, as he shall prosper? So it does speak of, you know, that's why we, we try to do what we do here biblically. And for, for Sundays, we take up an offering according to, to what Paul told the church there in Corinth to do. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.